Hey friends, last month our Mom of the Bible devotional was on the widow of Zarephath, or as I called her, the widow of Z. She was a single mom that taught us no matter how hopeless things may seem, to not be overcome with worry because God still sees you and he will still provide for you in your every need, even sometimes from the most unexpected places. So if you haven't listened to that, be sure and go back and check out that episode. Welcome to the Faithful 31 Moms podcast. Wherever you find yourself today, multitasking or just trying to catch a quiet moment alone. I'm so glad you're here as we learn together how to live out our faith and point our kids to Jesus. Faithful 31 Moms is a love worth finding ministry, and I'm your host, Mallory Allen. Today, our Mom of the Bible devotional is going to be a little bit different. It's more of a challenge of what not to do. We're going to be talking about Lot's wife and how she will always be remembered for her final choice. She chose the things of the world over the things of God. So not a great way to be remembered, right? I definitely wouldn't want that to be what my kids remembered about me. So as we begin, first, I just want to encourage you to go back and read this story. It's Genesis chapters 18 and 19. Read that for yourself. I think that'll fill in a lot of the details of the story because we're just going to hit the high points today. This story starts off with Lot's uncle, Abraham, you'll probably remember him. He's begging God to save the people of the city of Sodom. So this city, it was incredibly evil. It was just overcome with sin. And God had promised Abraham that if he could just find 10 people, 10 people, y'all, that's not many, that still loved God, that he would spare the entire city. And God did. He searched and he searched, but he couldn't even find the 10 people. So he made plans to destroy the city of Sodom. And that's kind of where we land today. But because of Abraham's prayer, the Lord has mercy on Lot and his family. Now, we first find Lot. He's hanging out at the city gates. And if you do a little bit of research, this probably means that he was either A, really wealthy, or B, he was some kind of government official. So his family was not hurting, basically, is what I'm trying to say. He and his wife were likely enjoying a lifestyle of high status, lots of money, those kinds of things. But it was here at the city gates where everything began to change for Lot. He meets two angels that God had sent to destroy the city. But when they showed up, they just looked like two normal guys coming for a visit. So Lot offered to take them to his home and let them stay at his house while they were visiting. Some pretty crazy things happened throughout the evening when they first came to Lot's house. And it made it, if you read the, if you read the passages, it made it very apparent that Lot, his wife, and his daughters were all completely surrounded by sin, just crazy stuff. And even if they didn't agree with some of it, even if they knew that it was wrong, they were so ingrained in the culture in Sodom that they had kind of become blind to sin and the concept of what's right and what's wrong. I mean, that's what sin does, right? It it blurs the truth. It blurs your need for the Lord and your ability to see right from wrong. So these two men are experiencing all these crazy things that evening at Lot's house. And in Genesis 19, they tell Lot in verses 12 and 13, I'm just going to read it. It says, do you and your wife have anyone else here, a son-in-law, sons or daughters or anyone in the city that belongs to you? 
Get them out of here because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. I'm sure when Lot heard this, he was like, what? A little bit shocked. But I think because of his past um, that he had, like with Abraham and like knowing the things of the Lord before he lived in Sodom, I think that he still knew, hey, I should listen. I should listen to these guys. And that he probably realized they are really angels that are sent from the Lord. But unfortunately, evident of the life that Lot had been living when he brought up the name of God to the people in Sodom and tried to warn them by sharing um, the plan for the city to be destroyed, everybody just laughed at, at Lot and his wife. And these people, I mean, you can't blame them. They had likely never heard Lot or anyone else mention the name of God until now. So that is just saying that Lot had no fruit in his life. He was not living for the Lord. So when people should have believed them, they, they didn't. So it's here where the angels tell Lot, okay, it's time to go. You need to leave right now. And in that moment, they had to go or they would be swept away when the city was punished and destroyed. It literally says in verses 16 and 17 that Lot hesitated when they told him to leave. So they grabbed his hands and the wife's hands and the two daughters, and they led them, physically led them out of the city. For the Lord was merciful to them, it says, and they instructed them very clearly to flee and not to look back. That's important. They were supposed to run away and they were not supposed to look back. But somewhere between these instructions that they were given and the chaos of running out of the city, they must have gotten separated. And Lot and his daughters realized once they had reached safety that Lot's wife and the girl's mother was no longer with them. I'm sure that that was scary, right? I mean, I'm sure they were panicking. They were searching for her until they caught sight, it says in, the, in Scripture, of a pillar of white salt in the shape of a woman that was turned back, that she was looking back, which is what they said not to do, if you remember. She was looking back towards Sodom. So my question is, why did she do it? You know, why did she turn back when the angels clearly said, run away and don't look back. Was she so attached to the things of the world that she didn't want to leave her home behind? She didn't want to leave her money behind? She didn't want to leave it all behind? Whatever her reason, you know, it's it's a really sad story because now she's forever known as the woman who became a pillar of salt. You know, nothing is said or remembered about the kind of wife that she was or the kind of mother that she was. She had two grown daughters, and Scripture was clear to say that they, even though we're living in a very sinful city, were still both virgins. So you have to think, you know, maybe she was doing something right, but we're not given any details. We're only given the detail about how she messed up, and she looked back, how she couldn't let go of the things that she had. And so she's remembered for her last choice, and that, that's all we know about her. So this got me thinking, you know, as I've combed through the story and I've studied it to try to find as much information as I could about it, you know, what do you and I, what do we want our kids to remember about us as their mother? You can't turn around. You can't go back. You can't change the past, you know, where I've messed up, where you've messed up. But you can do something about today and we can do something about the future. You and I can choose to live each day with purpose to live each day for Jesus 
to be a mom that's present, you know, that's not always on our phone or distracted. We can be actively looking for ways to share the Lord with our kids and with other people. So living as if it was our last day, you know, what do we want people to remember about us? What do we want our kids to remember about us? That's real purpose that looks to the future. And you don't look behind you. You don't try to go back where you've been. You just you look straight ahead and you keep moving. Second Peter chapter three, verses eight and nine says to not forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I think this verse is trying to say that God doesn't have to give us his mercy. He, he doesn't have to give us extra time or take into account our daily calendar or our schedules. He doesn't have to do any of those things. But every day that we wake up, you and I need to remember that that's another gift from God. You know, we're still breathing. That is a gift from God. And we have important work to do as moms to tell our kids about the love of Jesus in everyday conversations. Because like the city of Sodom, I know that this is not news to you, but our world is just growing more and more sinful. And our culture has already done a really good job of polluting the truth of marriage, you know, the truth of sexuality, the truth of what beauty is supposed to look like, and so many other things. I mean, I could just keep going on and on and on with that. But, you know, just like this verse said, you know, the Lord, he is taking his time. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to know him. But it's only a matter of time before the Lord's patience is going to run out, right, with these things, these crazy things that our world, that our culture is is screaming at us every single day and is telling our kids every single day. So the question is, what are you doing to actively separate yourself from the sin of this world and trying to be a better version of yourself, like a mom who pours Jesus into your kids? I have a challenge for you today. I want you to think about doing this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to participate as well. In order for you to take your focus off of the world and put it back on the Lord, I know you can't quit doing certain things. You know, you can't just stop doing everything and read your Bible all day long or anything like that. You're a mom. You're busy, right? You can't stop making dinner. You can't quit working. You can't stop running errands. You can't quit going to carpool and picking up your kids and all those kinds of things. So let's cut out the things that we can. Okay, so like I said, together, myself included, I'm going to challenge you to take a week long break from all things media, Instagram, Facebook, Netflix, HBO Max, cable, whatever, Twitter. I don't know. There's a bunch of them. You get the idea. You will likely be shocked at how much more free time you are going to have to spend with the Lord and with your kids if you choose to take this challenge and do this. And during this week, I want you to ask the Lord to reveal any sin that's in your life and to recognize the dependency that you had and the amount of time that you spent on these things, the media stuff, all of it, social media, watching things on your phone, whatever it may be, and how really 
they are the things that are truly guilty of robbing your time and your focus from the things that really matter, like being with your family or having the energy to get up in the morning and spend time in God's word because you didn't stay up late at night watching something or having the flexibility to still help others and not saying, oh, I just don't have the time. You know, I've got to finish this Netflix binge and then I've got all these other tours to do, you know. But if you let go of those things, you're going to be shocked, I think, at how much more time you do have. I was listening to a message recently from Pastor Adrian Rogers, and he said, until you come to the end of you, you won't come to the beginning of him. You may even need to confess some sin from your past during this week or lay down a desire that you had for your own life that might have never happened and pray and ask the Lord to take it away and stop looking backwards. You know, we don't want to be like Lot's wife. That's not what we want to be remembered for. Like Dr. Rogers said, come to the end of yourself, surrender it, lay it all down, and let Jesus take the lead in your life. And in giving up media and things that, you know, are feeding your flesh constantly, I think that you and I will have the time to focus and realize these things. You're not going to be distracted or mixed in the things of the world like Lot's wife was. And so that's my challenge to you. It's just a challenge to me too, y'all. I mean, I'm totally guilty of, of doing the same thing, just getting all wrapped up in social media, shows, you know, whatever that might be. And so with you, I'm going to do the same thing and let the Lord do some work in my heart as well. And while you're taking this break from media, I just want to encourage you to spend more time, more intentional time, you know, with your family and God's word. And if you need some resources, you know, help you do this, we have some great Bible study resources available through Love Worth Finding, which is um, Faithful 31 Moms is a Love Worth Finding ministry. And I recently walked through uh, one of these. It's the Fruits of the Spirit study, and I highly recommend it. I did it with a friend, and we would just meet in the coffee shop like every couple weeks and go through it. And it was it was really great, really insightful. But we have all different kinds of topics, and there's a special Faithful 31 Moms discount code available. So I'm going to include the link to find all those Bible studies and that discount code in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. Have you subscribed to our podcast so that you can be updated when new episodes like this one come out? If not, please subscribe today and follow me at Faithful31Moms on Instagram to catch all the latest. Thanks again and have a blessed day.